0: Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have Dr. Jeffrey Bell from Faith Bible College International. Welcome to Destiny Moments, Dr. Bell.
1: Well, thank you. We're glad to be with you today.
0: Well, I heard you speak a few weeks ago down in Mars Hill at the uh, Full Gospel Assembly on making room for your miracle. And I never quite heard it Spoken about like that, will you tell my listeners today about how to make room for a miracle?
1: Yes, I would love to. I have discovered that miracles don't just happen. Lots of people would like to think it was like winning the lottery or something. They just happen. Uh, But miracles don't just happen. People have to make room for the miracle. If you read the book of Hebrews, you'll understand all the people who saw the mighty hand of God in Hebrews 11, known as the faith chapter, uh, where we have a hall of heroes of men and women of faith, they acted on their faith. And I say in their action, they were making room for a miracle, giving God space to work in their lives. In that service that I shared in Mars Hill, I was talking about the story out of Second uh, Kings 4, where the lady is uh, challenged to go get a bunch of pots to see the oil that she has multiply. And she had to make room in order for God to do the miracle in her behalf. So today, I am uh, challenging your listeners to consider making room in their lives for God to show up and do something pretty awesome. It's a step of faith to make room for a miracle. I have seen God do so many wonderful things for people. I've witnessed the power of God in so many ways. I'd like to share some of those stories with you today, if that's all right.
0: Oh, I'd love to have you share them.
1: Now this is a thing to remember. I heard a great evangelist say one time, while faith always produces miracles, miracles don't always produce faith. Sometimes we'd like to believe, if God would just do a miracle for me, my family would get paid. Or if God would just do a miracle for me, it would uh, raise the faith in other people. It can, but it doesn't always. But faith always sees the miracle because faith will make room for one. In my life, over and over again, I've had God challenge my life to walk in obedience to his word and as i would walk in obedience making room for the miracle i've watched god do some pretty neat stuff my first challenge as the new leader of this bible college over 20 years ago was when i landed here on this campus the big problem was the underground oil tank that fed the boilers to keep the place warm there was a federal edict gone out that said all underground tanks need to be removed because several of them were found leaking all over the country and so they demanded everyone be taken out and a new system put in when i checked on what that would cost the school it was thirty thousand dollars and we didn't have three thousand dollars when i got the word i had one year to get it done all year long we're praying oh god because they declared Any company, any business that does not change out the oil barrels will be shut down. We're not playing with the environment on this one. you got to get it done or else. So we're praying and praying, and it doesn't seem to be happening. And I have found many a times God's never in a hurry. He waits to what I call the last minute, but he's always on time. So we were praying and praying. The year had passed. We're down into summer. When I say year, school year had passed. And we're down into summer. And still, no money to change the oil barrel. We're praying and praying all summer long, everywhere I went to preach. It didn't matter where I was, didn't matter what sermon text I had chosen, didn't matter the name of the title of the sermon. I was finding myself saying this phrase When you get to the place where God is all you've got, it's there you learn, He's all you ever needed. And over and over and over that summer, I was preaching and I would say, when you get to the place where God's all you've got, it's there you learn. He's all you ever needed. I remember well, I went to preach in New Hampshire for a good friend of mine, Brother Gary Stern. And I said it, yeah, preached two times there. I said it, both services. I was coming home on the Monday and had a meeting with my staff, small summer staff, on that Tuesday and I had learned later that the team had got together before I got in the room and and the maintenance man had said, you know, we're not getting this job done on the oil barrel and it's going to be a disgrace. We tell people we trust God and it didn't happen. How are we going to, you know, defend our faith and if this doesn't work? And he was really talking discouragement. I never heard him. But when I walked in the room, I said, you know, I've been preaching all this summer saying when you get to the place where God's all you've got, God's all you've ever needed. And I felt a little bit of faith storming in the room. And so I said to uh, the team there, you know, I remember a time in my life when my wife and I, we were newly married and uh, we had a car that died. I mean, it died dead. There wasn't a resurrection. It was not coming back from the grave. <laughs> it was over And uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, junkyard gave me $75 for parts and voted it away. Mm-hmm. And $75 doesn't make a good down payment on the car. It doesn't. So we were uh, several weeks, maybe even a month, without a car. It's pretty embarrassing to be newly married, and I'm asking my father, can you come pick us up, take us down, get a few items? And I remember walking home from work one night, and uh, when I got to the house, the wife was working on supper, and she turned around and looked at me, and she said, how long is it going to be? And I knew immediately what she was talking about we weren't talking about the weather we were talking about a car and and she was bothered that it had been this long and how much longer is she gonna have to wait and something rose up in my spirit at that moment and I said sweetheart it's not always gonna be like this shoot I feel that I don't know who's listening but you need to grab hold of your faith today because it's not always gonna be like this whatever in the world you're facing whatever you're going through I just sense in my spirit if you'll grab hold of the Word of God It's not always going to be like this. The sickness isn't going to always be like this. That trial you're going through isn't always going to be like this. That your faith grab hold of the promises of God that are yea and amen to those that believe. Trust God to bring you through your situation, whatever it is you need today. Well, I said to my wife, it's not always going to be like this. And she said, yeah, right. Well, her name is Faith, and she normally has quite a bit of it. I caught her in a very weak moment right there. And we went on a couple more months before we got another vehicle. But I said to her, it's not always going to be like this. Someday we're going to drive a car. We're not going to worry about the insurance. We're not going to worry about the payment. We're not going to worry about the care of it, the insurance for it. We're just going to drive it. She said, yeah, right. And I can tell you, for the last 35 years of my life, I've driven somebody else's car. I've never worried about the payment, the insurance. Never worried about the maintenance on it. I just put the gas in it that I need when I drive it. Uh, God has been very good to me. And I shared that story with those in the room that day as I come back from preaching and was teaching them on faith and I talked to them a little bit. And I said, if we'll just pray together and believe God, I believe God will do a miracle. So we we had a quick word of prayer, got to go to work. We uh, didn't spend a long time in prayer, but we prayed together and we went on our way. Well, the next morning, the founder of the school came to me and said, you got to get the team together, i, I got to make an announcement. I looked at him and said, "Now, Doc, since I've come here, you've not done this. And I saw a twinkle in his eye and I said, so Doc, are we talking money here? Now listen, Doc, if we're talking money, we don't stop the work to get everybody together for $1,000. He looked at me and said, no, but if it's more than that, we would. And I thought, $10,000, praise God, we needed a miracle, we've been praying on a miracle. And so I got the team together, we're standing in my office, and and Dr. Pierce says something like this, I got this check in the mail today, and I want you to look at it, see if I'm reading it right, I'm going to pass it to Dr. Bell, and let him uh, look at it, and he'll pass it around the room. And so he passed it to me, and I held in my hand the most amount of money I'd ever held in my life, there was a check for $50,000.
0: Wow. Praise God.
1: Wow, that's right, as people looked at it around the room, some of them laughed, some of them cried and we rejoiced together and shouted and there was more than enough to do the deal. I called the company immediately that I contacted about getting it done and getting a price on it. I said, "Listen, we're ready. We got the money. We want you to come and do it. They said, we are so backlogged. We can't get to it until the end of August, but we'll have it done for you by the 1st of September and I began to shout, somebody thought we couldn't get it done. We got it done and we got it done on time. Not only so, most of the businesses, if anybody knows anything about that whole deal back in 97, most of the businesses in the area couldn't get it done on time. Even if they had the money, people were so backlogged with work that it worked out that the, the federal government shoved the date, the deadline down a ways, but faith Bible College had it done on the first deadline God's not late God's always on time and our faith was greatly increased through that first miracle hallelujah
0: praise God amen brother
1: so over and over again I've watched the hand of God do the miraculous I've told the story often how God has multiplied and blessed the ministry here I remember a real desperate time in my life. We were so broke and, and had actually gone into some indebtedness to run the school. But I said to the board, listen, uh, we are so broke. I just feel like we need to sow something. We need to plant something. Those listening to this in, in the Rooster County area and in Carlton County, New Brunswick, all understand you got to plant. If you're going to reap potatoes, you got to put something in the ground. And so I, I said to the board, but I sowed the old box, but I got out back. I heard there was a school that could use it. We're not using it. Can I just give it away? And I said, sure. So I gave the bus away. And that summer, while I was going to a seminar, I felt like the Lord challenged me to do something that I was telling people I'm not going to do. They wanted me to start a school in the various places. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm just running one in Charleston, Maine. But that day at that seminar, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to do something in Africa. But Oh God, that's so far away. It's it's a big task. I don't know where to start. But I knew the right answer was yes. So I said yes to God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And that was making room for the miracle. It was sowing, making room for the miracle. It was planting, making room for the miracle. And it was saying yes to whatever God had in store. So when I said yes to God, God began to open doors for me to be to Africa and the school that he developed there in Ghana was just amazing. I never had to ask for money for that school. People just came to me and brought me what I needed. Uh, people surveyed areas for me to find the right place for it. It was just a miracle after miracle. But I'm still here waiting on God to come through for me. I need some help here, Lord, financially. And it was after I had done some sewing and I said yes to God, that a man came to visit our school and he said to me I met him many years ago and he said to me I like what you're doing there at college I like the way you're helping young people at Faith Bible College and I'm gonna retire in a few years and when I do I'm gonna remember your college I thought that's nice but hey I don't know if he has a donut shop on main and second I don't know what he does I don't know but I said thank you Uh, little did I know the year that I had said yes ghana that year he came by to visit the school and he said to me what projects are you doing around here so i went down a long list of projects i was expecting somewhere he'd say that's it i'll do that i'll put the new windows in i'll remodel the gym i'll do something like that he never said a thing to me all the way through it and so finally i said i'm going home. go to bed the next day we met up after classes and he said to me Uh, So what are you doing this afternoon, preacher? I said, well, Friday afternoon, I'm generally getting ready to preach the Friday night service. He said, well, we don't want to disturb that. But here, he reached in his pocket, and he passed me a check. When I opened it and looked at it, and I just started to cry, I wept. And I cried so hard that the man and his wife were crying (laughs) on the other side of the table. And my wife was sitting there, and this man and his wife had come and visited our school many times, and I blessed the school with, with checks, like $10,000 uh, on occasion, and we didn't sit and cry. So my wife said, what in the world's going on here? She reached over and grabbed the check out of my hand and looked at it, and she started to cry. What the man had given me was a check for $1 million. Wow. And God had come through for us, taking care of our indebtedness helped me with all these projects that I felt like I needed to get done and uh, help the school be a better place for a better environment for students. And so God came through and did the miracle again. So I teach that you need to make room for one. There'll be times in your life God's going to ask you to do something, and you're going to wonder, what's that got to do with anything? But your obedience to God is making room for the miracle. And God desires to do miracles, but he's looking for faith. Jesus said to his disciples, "Will I find faith when I return?" It seems to be the one thing he's looking for. The one thing that motivates him, that moves him is faith. And so activate your faith today in God and watch what God can do. Make room for a miracle by your obedience to God. The story in the Bible is uh, Lazarus, he had died And his sisters were challenged to roll away the stone so Jesus could do a miracle. But you have to understand the culture. They buried him the day he died. They did not embalm him. They just simply wrapped him up, put him in the grave. Four days, the body started to decay. When Jesus has arrived, and he said, roll away the stone. It's like, oh, man, what are you asking? Are you crazy? Uh, He stinks by now. But Jesus was testing their faith to see if they would believe. And when they rolled away the stone, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who was dead came out of the grave. And God did a great miracle for them. But it was the result of their faith. And they're making room for the miracle. Oh, so many times I could tell you of God's great hand, of provision, taking care of us. But it was in response to our faith and making room for the miracle.
0: Well, I want to ask you if somebody, one of our listeners wanted to contact your school or possibly, I know that you're looking for funds for scholarships and things like that. How do they get in contact with you?
1: Yes, the school has a website. It's uh, www.faith, F-A-I-T-H-B-C-I or Faith Bible College International, org and that will take you to the website. At the website, you can learn how to apply to school or you can learn how to make a donation to the school. Right now, God has raised up another gentleman who has said to the school, they will match every dollar that I I or the school can raise in the next... We have until December, so we have another uh, eight months. In the next eight months, whatever we raise up to and including a million dollars, they'll match it which is another real miracle. Nobody's ever done that for the college before. And so any money that comes in, it's automatically doubled. So anybody listening today would like to help out. We do our best at this college to keep the cost as low as possible. Jesus said, the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest field. So our endeavor is to train them to get them out of here as debt-free as possible to send them directly into the harvest field. I've graduated students in May and had them on the mission field in September, which is uh, not likely with most Bible colleges of the day. Takes a long time raising money, getting stuff together, but in four months those uh, that couple was able to raise the finances to be on the field for the next year because they got out of here debt-free. But it takes a lot of help to make that happen. It costs almost as much to go to faith, Bible college as any other college. The difference is we have churches standing with us, individuals standing with us that help make up the difference. So we only charge the students $7,000 a year. You imagine wow. $7,000 a year will get you a room and board and education. I've wow. heard of very many places. I tell parents, you can't hardly keep them home for that kind of money. And we'll keep them. We'll feed them. We'll put them up. And we'll give them an education, Mm -hmm. but we're interested in the harvest—not about cheap education. Right. We're interested in reaching the world for Christ. That's our big push, our big desire. So, if anybody wants to help with that, every dollar given them from here to December will be matched dollar for dollar. Every ten becomes twenty. Every hundred becomes two hundred. Every thousand becomes two thousand. God bless your listeners as they—that's faithbci.org at the website. And you'll find everything you need there to make a donation or get more information from the school, request the catalog, all that kind of uh, stuff is right there.
0: Well, I just need to ask you if you would share one more story. I heard you tell a story about, I believe it was your brother. Would you share that story with our listeners today?
1: Sure. The story that I tell about my brother is when I was just a child uh, growing up in Caribou, Maine, uh, We the poor people. We didn't even have a staircase to go to the cellar. There was simply a trap door in the hallway that when you took the trap cover door off, you'd see a ladder going down the seven feet to the basement. The cardinal rule was in the house, as a child I remember, you always put the cover over because my little brother was just months old. He was crawling, Uh, he was in his walker Uh, at that stage and so the rule was make sure you put the cover over. I'd gone downstairs to play with my bicycle. It was in the winter time. I couldn't have my bike outside so I was playing with it in the basement. I tipped it upside down and put some cardboard in the spokes like a child would just making noises and my dad heard the noise and thought I had his power tool and that was a cardinal rule. I was not to touch his power tool. He came running to the basement, and he forgot the cardinal rule of bringing the trapdoor over the hole. He came down, saw that I was just playing my bike. There was no problem. When he turned around, my little brother had wheeled his walker directly over the hole. But when he did, the seat of the walker let go. And that little boy tumbled seven feet, landed on his head on a cement floor. When my father picked him up, there was barely a whimper out of him. My mom screamed passed him up to the floor and my dad did and she ran to the kitchen sink and poured water over his face and I remember going up and seeing her in the living room sitting there on the couch with this little broken body in her arms and she's crying and she's saying oh god don't let this boy die in my arms but the facts are he was probably already gone. His eyes had rolled back to his head. his lips are turning blue, there's no movement, there's no breathing, there's nothing happening to this whole body. And I remember my dad kneeling beside my mom, sitting on the couch, and laid his hand on that little body. And I remember grandfather was working up the street. Grandmother was at the house. He called and got Grampy to come home. And Gramp came in and he knelt on the other side of my mom and laid his hand on that little body. And and they began to pray. You see, we didn't have nine one one. We didn't have a medical program, to my knowledge. We're just poor folk. But my dad had been making room for God to show up in our house. Uh, Our house was a place of prayer meetings, our house was a place of God's... Dad would play gospel music, he played the guitar, he'd be singing. My dad was just making room for God to do anything he needed to do and here we were, we were facing a real desperate time. This little baby in in mom's arms uh, and all the intents and purposes was gone. But when dad began to pray and grandpa began to pray, grandma called some of the people of the church to pray. God did a miracle. It wasn't a matter of fifteen minutes, and that little boy that was lifeless, that was laying there limp in the arms, began to stir, began to set up, and wanted to get down out of mama's lap, got onto the floor and reached for grandpa's hammer that he'd brought home from the neighbors where he was working. He had a hammer in his hand, ran to the house and threw it on the floor there, and my little brother picked up the hammer, began to bang it on the floor, and we all began to rejoice together as we watched God do a great miracle in our home, raise that little boy back to life again. I have seen the power of God, and know what God's capable of doing. You can trust Him today, sir, with your need. You can trust Him today with your help. You can trust Him today with your circumstances. He's well able. To handle anything you have in your path if you'll just walk with God and keep making room for miracles in your life. The first thing you need to do, by the way, is let him come into your heart. If you don't open up your heart and let him come in, you're not making room for miracles. The first step is to invite Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, to come into your heart, forgive you of your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, become his child. And then as you walk in obedience, you keep making room for God to do His miraculous work in your life. Well, what a joy to be with you today.
0: Well, it's a joy to have you, Dr. Bell. And I just would like to give a shout. That is so exciting. I love to see God's miraculous power. So before I end, I want you to just pray for our listeners.
1: All right. Now, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving mercy, your care toward us. You are so gracious toward your people. I pray for those today that need to make room in their life for you. I just pray today they'd open up their heart and say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me your child. I want to live for you. I pray for those today, Lord, that are in a place of difficulty and they're needing help or or finances or wisdom about their plot in life. I just pray, Holy Spirit, come right now breathe on them let them sense the breath of heaven come into their home their car their room let the glorious grace of God bringing faith to them let their faith be established today to trust you to obey you that you can do what no other power can do in their lives so bless them and encourage them today with the word of the Lord may their lives be edified built up in the faith as they trust you to do miracles on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Bell. And thank you, listeners, for joining me today. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.